Hello and welcome into another edition of your favorite podcast, Burgers and Brats. Got a very special episode for y'all. I'm interviewing USBF Pro Bodybuilder Corbin Hunter on the podcast. Uh, before we get started, make sure you follow the podcast on any platform, any streaming service at Burgers and Brats and stay up to date with latest news on Twitter, Instagram, and hopefully you're watching on YouTube at Burgers and Brats. And hopefully you've checked out the new website, BurgersBratsPodcast.com. Go check out some shopping, go listen in on the web, check out our sports betting picks and more, burgersbridespodcast.com. But now, let's welcome in our guest, who's been on the show before, but he was not a pro bodybuilder at that time, USBF men's physique pro bodybuilder, Corbin Hunter. Corbin, thanks for joining us. What's up? USBF has two divisions, men's physique and bodybuilding. Oh. It is a bodybuilding organization, but bodybuilding, that division is the the bigger guys. Men's physique tends to be slightly sl- slimmer. We wear the board shorts instead of the like speedos that you normally associate with bodybuilding. All right. Came in and just put me on my place, like not even a few minutes in. Just, just wanted to explain my smaller frame. <laughs> when you say pro bodybuilder, you expect a little bit bigger than me. I can see the muscles. I mean, we got them out in a little tank right here. I don't know if they're bigger than mine, but I mean, they'll do, I guess. I saw a flashback the other day of, uh, oh, it was on your story when I first started getting into lifting and you and I were lifting at like uh, an apartment gym. Yeah. I, 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 we were done with gymnastics by then. I went to go work out with you for a day and I was like, this dude is something different. Like, what am I doing here? This ain't for me. But uh, you stuck with the weights, and I mean, when did you figure you wanted to become a bodybuilder? The original goal was that I wanted to be able to try to compete by 26. But at 24, I was working at a YMCA personal training, and there was a flyer up for a competition in York, which is relatively close to where I am. So I decided that I was just going to put myself through a show prep and try to compete. I competed in two amateur divisions, um, beginner and novice. Novice being haven't won a competition yet and beginner being first competition ever. And I did really well. I received some good feedback from the judges. So I took some time off, put on a little bit more size, then went to compete in Baltimore, did well in Baltimore, competed again in York again at a different competition and received my pro card. Nice. So like, what are kind of the qualifications to get into USBF and all that? Um, to get in, the two, you can, do, you can uh, tell about the two different ones. To get into the USBF, like there are no qualifications in the amateur division. You just pay an entry fee and you can compete. To get your pro card, you have to get a certain amount of points and you have to win an open. Um, an open is the division as a whole. Everyone competes in the open and you have to win essentially an overall. Um, so you have to beat everyone else that competes in the open in your division. Um, and there's two different divisions, like I said, and there's different judging criteria, different posing for the two different divisions. Open bodybuilding obviously has a little bit more focus on legs because they're shown. Um, You have to be a little bit more conditioned in open 
because you have to show your legs and it takes a lot lower body fat percentage to start seeing like striations and glutes and hamstrings um immense physique you can get away with slightly higher body fat percentage if your body fat if you store body fat more in your legs it's kind of hidden i tend to store a lot of body fat in my midsection so i have to get essentially open bodybuilding lean anyway to start seeing like the veins and vascularity in my abs so if i wanted to compete open obviously i'd have to put on a lot more size but the conditioning for me would be roughly the same uh, how, how many people do you compete against uh, in these competitions it depends on the competition um my first competition there was in men's physique as a whole i think 10 to 12 within the different divisions um there were two pros at the show so i didn't compete against the pros um at the one in baltimore there was eight in my division and the one in york there was about 12 to 14 wow so more in the smaller town uh, that's yeah actually um york well york has a pretty long history with weightlifting and bodybuilding um one of the like oldest brands of weightlifting equipment is york city barbell so they are york is pretty ingrained in bodybuilding culture yeah it sounds like though we need some more notoriety on this because only 10 people per event that you're going to I get the word um, so like I said before there's multiple divisions mm -hmm. um bodybuilding for men is a little bit more popular than men's physique and women there are four divisions um there's bikini figure physique and open or bodybuilding um sometimes figure is called wellness but in the usbf there's four divisions for women two divisions for men and then ifbb there's four and four ifbb is the really big organization for bodybuilding that's kind of like the gold standard that's the mr olympia competitions those are the enhanced untested competitions that's where you get the really freaky people. <laughs> Maybe you one day. I want to compete in untested competition eventually, but um, I would get absolutely smoked how I am right now. I've only been weightlifting for like since, uh, you know, when I started weightlifting. So it's been about three years for me around when COVID lockdown started coming out. I started weightlifting, started working towards the goal of putting on muscle and like hypertrophy. Um, but it'll take me a few more years of bulking up, cutting, bulking up, cutting before I feel comfortable stepping on a stage with people who are not natural. Yeah. Wow. A few years. That's, that's a lot of time. It's a slow process. Like, especially for a natural lifter, um, I'm looking at putting on, one to two pounds of muscle a year realistically maybe more maybe less that's it is nothing yeah that's it's not when i eat a burger i'm putting on a pound yeah. so i mean that's crazy 
What um so how many of these competitions do you have to attend? Do you have to attend them regularly or just when they're kind of close in your hometown, home state? Um you don't need to attend that many, but if you want to get the experience competing and there's it's different just diving down to being lean and being stage lean. Like you get to you can get to the 8% body fat dieting. It sucks, but you can do it. But getting down to that six, seven percent before you step on stage, drying out, not something you really want to put yourself through unless there is a goal. And I think competing, if you want to compete more, especially compete well as a pro, being able to maintain that kind of competition status and competition readiness i would recommend doing one a year at least but i don't think you need to do that many to maintain your pro status um in other divisions like the ifbb i you have to compete to qualify to different competitions for the usbf it is a smaller federation as you can tell by the competition sizes i mentioned um you don't need to compete to maintain your pro status. If I'm if I'm taking care of my body like that, working out every day, watching what I eat, I'm going to every single competition I can because I ain't doing that for nothing. For me, yeah, everything. But the benefit of being a pro is when you go to competitions, you compete for prize money. Um, as an amateur, you compete and you get a trophy. Sometimes you get a complimentary pre workout or like a case of energy drinks sometimes they give you like a pack of protein bars you don't get compensated for your competing when you're an amateur it does help that i guess you're kind of in the northeast so I'm, there's a lot of competitions up there um around the york area york and ohio have a lot of competitions with the usbf um if i was so inclined i would drive over to ohio a little bit more um, this year it didn't really make sense. I did a lot of competitions. What well, I did two pretty close together, but that's pretty hard on your body being that lean for that long. Um, and I'm doing two at the end of the year. Four competitions is uh, in one year is a lot, a lot of stress in your body. Um, but in the future, instead of going to smaller ones in York, I might go to bigger ones in um, Ohio. I might even try to go through the OCB and compete at the Arnold Classic. Different competitions like that, a little bit bigger. Um, try to compete it's more spread out instead of just in the Pennsylvania area. Yeah. So what what did your day look like when you have a competition? What what do you what are you eating? Are you eating that week? I mean, what are you doing? Just chugging down protein, taking a dry? Um so my last competition, I tried a different show prep. Normally, I diet up until a week before competition, and then I do peak week. Peak week is a process of modulating your sodium and water, controlling your carbs. Um, so you dry out, and then you carb load right before the competition, so you look really dry, and your muscles are filled up with glycogen from the carbs the day before. Um this last one I depleted for the week prior. So I cut my calories really low the week prior. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, no, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I slowly carved up. 
Wednesday, Thursday, I cut carbs again. And then Friday, I carb loaded, competed on Saturday. Um, with that, I was increasing my sodium, increasing water. Peak week is a lot of modulating your carbs and drinking so much water. People don't understand how much you are going to pee on peak week. <laughs> you are increasing your sodium by a lot. You're absorbing a lot more water. You are drinking so much water. And then what I do for dry out is I cut sodium completely at 24 hours before the competition. And then 12 hours before the competition, I cut water. I don't have any liquids 12 hours before the competition, 12 to 18 hours before the competition. Um, my first competition, I cut water 24 hours before. Um, that sucked. I didn't want to do that again. Um, I cut water 18 hours before last one and I liked how it looked. I didn't feel as just the worst. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do that moving forward. But the day before a competition is bizarre to a lot of people because it is carb loading, but carb loading taken to the extreme. I had about 4,000 calories of just carbs, um, like entire kit, like sleeves of apple cinnamon rice cakes. I had two sleeves for breakfast. Um, I had two sleeves for lunch. I had a sleeve and a half for dinner. I had like cereal for lunch, but I stopped eating cereal after lunch because um, the cereal I had had some sodium in it. For snacks throughout the day, I had a bunch of gummy candies. Um, before bed, I had like a bag of Swedish fish. During okay. right for the right for the competition, I had a Gatorade protein bar. Um, the reason I had the Gatorade protein bar, protein is very satiating. You want to have protein if you don't want to feel full. And the Gatorade protein bars, as a protein bar, not very good. It's like 420 calories for 20 grams of protein not good macros but so many carbs and very low fiber and i wanted high carbs low fiber for the competition fiber makes you retain a little bit of water carbs do but to a lesser extent and i wanted to fill up my muscles fiber doesn't do that um so the day before the competition is Sounds you've good. enjoyed it you enjoy it at first. It's a bunch of sweets. You've been craving sweets all, all prep. And then halfway through the day, you absolutely despise what you're eating. Jeez. What? So what do you do at the competitions? What is, what is that about? Do they change kind of every, every, um, the day before the competition, you get your first layer of tan and the day of the competition, you get touched up tan um, that normally happens pretty early in the morning, like six or seven in the morning. Um, then you go to the competition at the USBF competitions. You go, you get drug tested um, right before you compete. So normally it's normally competitions are at 12. You go get your second layer of 10 around seven or eight. You go to the competition, you sign in, you get your little complimentary bag normally has like some sweets in it for you to eat after the competition, some protein bars, some advertisements, normal like goodie bags. Mm -hmm. um, then at 10 o'clock, a little bit before the competition, you get drug tested. Um, you go in the stall, somebody watches you pee in a cup. It's fun for everyone. <laughs> um, then you go backstage, you 
find out when you're competing, when you're, when you go out on stage with everyone else you're competing with, when awards are for each division, and when you do your solo routine. Then you're just kind of waiting, trying to time when you get your pump up because you want to do some push-ups, do some bicep curls, do something before you go on stage so you look at you're pumped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and right before you go on stage, normally the people who did your tan are waiting there and they slather you with oil and then you go on stage, so you're all shiny. Um, my first competition, I didn't know what I was doing. I got tanned at, no, I got like the like too tan to give a damn, like spray rub on no sun tan from Walmart. I was not dark enough, but I did that and I used Pam cooking spray <laughs> and I sprayed myself with cooking spray. So I looked oily on stage. Gosh, <laughs> that's funny. What? So what is that routine that you do? I, I can't wait to hear about this. What do you mean? Like my workout split? Yeah. Well, what do you have to do on stage? What? Oh. Um, and do you have to, are you, do you have to wear a thong? I wear trunks. All so right. the men's physique wears trunks. They're like from below the belly button to just above the knee. Oh, that's They're, nothing. That's nothing. Yeah, no, it's, it, you're just, you're just in swim trunks. You're in like pretty long swim trunks at that. Yeah. Come on, make them short, short. Come on. What are we doing? Classic physique sometimes wears like short shorts. Sometimes they wear Speedos. Open bodybuilding always does Speedos. But um, so men's physique does four poses. You do a front-facing pose, a quarter turn to the side, quarter turn to the back, quarter turn to the other side, then quarter turn to the front. Essentially, you go on stage, you flex, and then the judges have you spin around in circles four or five times, and they tell you to leave. Like a dog show. Yeah, it, pretty much. The you're you're on stage, show. and then you just spin around, and the judges are like, all right, we have a winner, and then, they, then you leave. Wow. All that for, what, not even a minute? Maybe two minutes? No, no. You're on you're on stage for, like, ten minutes. Oh, dang. Um, it's... It's a little harder than it seems. It's not super challenging. Um, part of the judging is being able to hold flexed poses without shaking, um, being able to be flexing while you're transitioning between poses. So like you are constantly being judged when you're on stage. Yeah. And part of conditioning and part of being judged is not showing that you're struggling or straining to hold the poses. Some people start sweating on stage. Um, that obviously doesn't look good for maybe, judging. Maybe it's just the oil, though. If your tan starts to run, you get judged negatively for it. If your tan isn't dark enough, you get judged negatively for it. Um, and then the individual routine through the USBF. I don't know about other organizations. I don't think the OCB either. You're not judged on your individual routine. It's just a way to kind of show off your favorite poses, because especially in men's physique. Mm -hmm. there are four poses you don't get much freedom i don't get to show off legs at all in men's physique so in my individual routine i like to do some more leg oriented poses because i do have decent leg development um i also throw in a straight body plunge in my routine because that that gets a crowd crowd hyped it's cool looking i press into a handstand 
fall no over doing that. that no, only gymnasts can do that. No, no one else. I I've thought about trying to add like a backflip or something in my routine. Um, but the problem is I'm oiled up. There's yeah. probably oil on the stage. If I do a backflip and slip because my feet are slippery, so embarrassing. I don't want to do that. That'd be fun. The risk to reward for doing a backflip is just not there. Yeah, your hands just slip off your knees or something. So I mean, can- like, I, you don't have to grab for a back touch. Yeah, sure. Sure. I'm I'm worried about landing and my feet being slippery and just like <laughs> just whipping myself into the ground. There's no recovery for that. You start you- to fall in a handstand, you do like a handstand push-up. People think Ooh. it's cool, but it's just you falling. You fall in a back tuck. People know it's a fall. You fell on your back. That is very true. Can you hit these poses for us, Corbin? Just in the chair. So he's got the bigger muscle. So the four poses. You don't have to. You don't have to. The four poses are like front. You go to the side. Then you go come back. And then it's the other side. You can do the same kind of pose. I like to flex my tricep and go out. Yeah. But it's. How am I doing? Yeah. Got pretty something. good. Yeah. Got something. I work I out once, uh, every two weeks. I, it's more than some people. That is true. How how many days a week do you work out? Um, right now yeah. that I'm on a right now that I'm on a bulk and I have more calories in my system, I work out until I need a break. Um, my last competition was June 24th. Um, I have taken two rest days. Wow. Um. When I'm cutting and I have to preserve my energy and resting is much more needed, required for recovery. Yeah, and I mean, your rest days, I mean, your workouts, I mean, you work out every day. It's probably nothing light at all. It's all heavy weight and everything, right? Yeah, like, so when I'm in a calorie surplus and I'm putting on weight, I'm able to recover more efficiently with just sleeping and resting. So I just listen to my body. When I need to take a break, I take a break. My workout split right now makes sense to do back to back to back to back. Um, When I'm cutting and when I'm on very low calories, I program in my rest days. I need to take them because I will actually lose muscle by working out more if I'm on low enough calories. My body isn't recovering. My muscles aren't actually being built. I'm just trying to maintain. And if I'm working out too much, my body can't recover. My muscles will start atrophying. So when I'm on show prep for like the two or three months that I'm cutting and getting lean for a show, I'm working out five days a week. Right now I work out six to seven. That's insane. And it's, uh, something new at least every day until maybe the fourth day or something. Um, I do right now. My workout split is uh, back and posterior chain. So like I do essentially a pull workout uh, back shoulders, biceps, and then lower back glutes, hamstrings, and calves. Next day I do chest and quads that also involves shoulders and triceps. Then I do um, 
shoulders and arms. Then I do entire legs and then entire upper body. So I have five days and then I just cycle through those five days until I need to rest. When I'm cutting, I do a general upper body, general lower body, just upper lower split. And I just back and forth. Wow. Braver man than me. Tougher man than me, for sure, doing all that. So what's that diet like? I mean, on what can you eat on, like, non-weeks that you're competing? Um, Like, right now, I eat everything. I'm I'm getting weight. I I had a piece, I had two pieces of cake for my pre-workout snack. Um, my calories are about twenty eight hundred to three thousand calories a day. I'm trying to I'm trying to put on about a pound a week. Um, when I'm cutting, I get very I get a lot more specific with what I'm eating. Um, I practice volume eating. So I have very low calories, but I prioritize being full over what I'm eating. So like for lunch, before I eat what I'm going to have for like my calorie dense foods, whether it be like chicken, rice, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, carrots, like the nutritious things that I'm eating that have calories, I'll eat three or four things of sugar-free jello and then like four or five handfuls of spinach. Um, no, thanks. So the spinach doesn't taste like much. Um, an entire thing of spinach is 25 calories. Um, wow. That's not spinach, very low calories. And if you don't cook it, it's raw. It's very like full and you can just eat a bunch of it. Doesn't really taste like anything. You feel like a rabbit. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, um, you're just naming stuff that rabbit eat right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it fills you up a little bit, and then you eat your food, and then you feel full after you eat your 240-calorie lunch. It's like some chicken and veggies. But it by itself, you'll eat it, and you're like, I want a snack. But you eat all this stuff beforehand that totals like 40 calories, and then you eat that, you feel full, chug some water, chug some diet soda, you're golden. Um, so I tend to eat nine, 99.1 ground turkey or chicken, 90.10 ground beef. I like chicken breast, chicken tenderloins, egg whites, Greek yogurt. Those are like the main protein sources. Main carb sources tend to be like rice cakes or rice krispies, rice. Um, strawberries are great because they're pretty low in calorie and you can eat a bunch of them. Then just your pick of veggies for the day, whether it be broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus. Ooh, asparagus if it's fried, but all, all of those air fried, golden. Make cool. them a little burnt with some seasoning on it. Mm -hmm. all right, I know, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so you're still doing a little nutrition, right? You're kind of nutritionist. What? What are kind of your suggestions for other people maybe trying to gain muscle or even lose weight? So, I mean, you could do either or. Um, for both, protein is the more vital macronutrient to consider. Um, fat is also essential macronutrient. So whatever your diet plan is, you have to make sure you're getting enough fat and enough protein. Carbs are not necessary but incredibly useful. 
So you base your diet around how much fat and protein you need. Um, and that changes based on whether you're gaining or losing weight. When you're gaining weight, you actually need slightly less protein because your body's in a more anabolic environment. You're consuming more calories so your body can more efficiently build muscle. When you're losing weight, your body needs all the resources it can get. So higher protein intake is a little bit more mandatory for cutting. Higher protein in intake also helps cutting. Um, if you have, let's say 2000 calories is your maintenance, you're not losing or gaining weight at 2000 calories. If you increase your protein intake at 2000 calories, you will start to lose weight because protein is just metabolically demanding compared to everything else. Um, but if those two macronutrients are in check, you start using carbs as like a tool. Um, take them, take them, eat carbs before you work out and right after you work out. Um, help energy levels. Use them as a tasty little treat. It's carbs get fit into your diet. Your diet is based around proteins and fats. All right. I need to start doing some more of that. I need to add some calories and stuff too. But um, so tell me a little bit about you got you've got a win under your belt. Right? I have three. I have well four wins. Four. I'm not doing you justice over here. Four wins under your belt. I won two divisions. My first competition. I won the open. My second. Then I won the open and my third. So I have four stage wins. Three competition wins. Awesome. Uh. I, I've seen this. It's on your Instagram too. Uh, follow it, Corbin Instagram. Uh, you have these prizes with you. Uh, that yes. you won. Let let show the viewers. Show them. So, all the divisions when you win, you get medals like this. See, this says Battle of York Open, first place, men's physique. It's huge. That's awesome. Um, for the pro qualifiers or pro competitions, you get trophies oftentimes, and bodybuilding is a very silly sport. So they also give out very silly trophies like the sword I got in Baltimore. Um, it is a sword. Have you used it on anyone yet? Um, it is not very sharp. It is display only. Also, I'm pretty sure it would break as soon as you tried to cut anything remotely hard. I did open, so at this competition, I won a case of energy drinks, and I did open them with the sword, and for a week, the sword was my letter opener for all my mail, but now it just sits in the corner of my room. Just for when you need it. You never know when you'll need it again. Anybody breaks into my house, I can definitely intimidate them. You show them the sword. They're running. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm running. Just open it up like that. I'm out. I'm not sticking around. And especially you got the muscle shirt on. I'm I'm out of there. <laughs> Scaring everyone. I got made fun of for wearing the um gray hoodie for the bodybuilding podcast. So I changed before we started. Told him to show that muscles off. He, he's worked on them for a reason. But so when is your next competition? <laughs> Do you have that plan? Um, I am competing again in October. October 20, no, October 14th. And then I will travel to Texas to compete in nationals November 4th. Those know. two competitions being really back to back has me a little nervous, 
October is my first pro show, but I don't know how seriously I'm going to prep for it being, I don't know if I'm going to go through an entire peak week. Cause often when you go through peak week, um, you get very lean for the competition. You get one or 2% leaner than you were go than going into peak week, but that puts your body in a really fragile state where often you spill over right after, like you will rebound your weight so quickly right after the competition. I put on four pounds in the next two days after my competition. Um, so like you put on body fat, you put on, you start retaining water very quickly after you deprive it that long. And I have a competition three weeks after. So I don't exactly know how I'm going to prep for the October competition. All I know is if I have to sacrifice one, it's going to be October. So at nationals, I can do the best that I can because that's the bigger prize pool. That's the bigger competition. That one, I will have people coming to see me because my family's from Texas. So I'm putting all my eggs in that basket and just seeing how October goes. Yeah, it's nationals and going to be a big competition. So it's going to be awesome. Maybe you'll get an even better sword, even bigger. And I mean, one that can cut things, cut people. Hope they give me an axe. You can get an axe, yeah. I think the sword's cooler, though. But, um, yeah, it's crazy how all these competitions are just so far away, and you just got to maintain that physique, your diet, and everything. Uh, Traveling to Texas on a peak week, like going no carbs and attempting to not retain water while traveling and not coming out of the other side, like, kind of puffy, yeah. is going to be a little challenge. Um, I am coaching myself through everything. I, I got into bodybuilding because I was interested in nutrition and health and exercise science. Mm -hmm. Both of those things are what I studied in college. I'm certified in both of those things. Um, so I wanted to do bodybuilding as a way to explore that more in depth. But that also means I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time. I'm experimenting on what makes sense to me. So experimenting with something as big as nationals and also traveling for it is going to be a challenge. Yeah, it, it will be, but I mean, you've already got four wins under your belt, man. It's, it's coming easy for you. Uh, you're going to do really good. So uh, I just want to say thanks again, Corbin, for coming back on uh, the podcast and talking a little pro bodybuilding. I mean, that's a cool, that's a cool thing to do. Uh, looking all big like that. I got the, pretty sure you got the ladies all over you at the competitions. <laughs> oh i got a lot of guys wondering how to work out like me and nothing out. else <laughs> i'm actually just so my new gym that i'm working at i have slowly been picking up bodybuilding clients so hopefully you will start seeing some people that i'm training besides myself stepping on the stage in the next one or two years and we'll we'll see if we get a little team of pros going yeah, what what gym can they find you or where can they where can they reach you to kind of get some tips and see get I work at I work through a company called Compel. Compel is a training agency. Um the location I'm based out of is a PA fitness in York. Um but I I'm a personal trainer through a company called Compel. Right. And then uh, what are your socials just for anyone to reach out? Get some tips, dieting tips, anything. See um, 
My Instagram is Corbinstagram. My my Twitter is Corbin Tweets. <laughs> Very original on those uh, everything, but well, uh, we wish you luck. I guess we got how many more months? We got we got a couple months to your next competition, but make sure to keep everyone updated on that. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Tell us a little bit about pro bodybuilding. Yep. All right, everyone, thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow the podcast on any platform, any streaming service at Burgers and Broads and Save Today with latest news on Twitter, Instagram, and hopefully just watch our awesome interview on YouTube at Burgers and Broads and check out the new burgersbroadspodcast.com website. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Stay safe. Deuces.